All right, let's turn to Revelation chapter 4. As you're getting there, I want to tell you a little bit about our church in case you didn't know what our strategy is. God's called us to cultivate small groups, equip the next generation, discover partners, and embody mission. That's what God's called us to do. And thanks for doing that today. Thanks for those of you who embodied mission yesterday by going to Feed Sumner. And you'll have an opportunity to do that in December again at our partner church in Gallatin for the Christmas portion of the season of blessing. So thank you for embodying missions. I got to tell you guys about a memory when I was a little kid. Uh, We had this child evangelist come to our church back in the days when that would happen. And he had a really cool name. His name was Captain Hook. He was a He was a pirate for the gospel. And guys, he had the coolest pirate hat you could imagine. It was more than a pirate hat. I mean, it was like, it had jewels, it had dangling valuable artifacts coming off of it. It was just a, I'll work on on that in the next sermon. But this is this incredible, incredible hat that this guy had. And he told all the little kids, it was like a, you know, children's crusade that they used to call them. Like, bring your friends, bring your, bring your offering, memorize your scripture, bring your Bible. And if you reach a certain amount of points, you will get, you will get a crown. You will get a crown. So I'm looking at this amazing hat this guy has. And I'm like imagining the most incredible crown possible that you could could possibly ever imagine. And so I brought my friends. I brought my Bible. I did all the things that the spiritual Captain Hook told me to do. And I was awarded a crown at the end of that week. Let me tell you about that crown. Somebody went to Burger King and got a bunch of paper crowns. Come on, guys. Come on, Captain Hook. I mean, I was so disappointed. I was like, I had that for lunch last week. What in the world did I do all of this? So, yeah, it it talks about, this story reminds me of the power of incentive, right? We, We have a motivation. God has designed us to have motivation. So over the next three weeks, including today, I want to talk to you about the different crowns that God has promised believers in the New Testament. So the title of this series is, appropriately, Crowns. And today we're just going to talk about one crown, and that's the title of my message, The Crown of Victory. The Crown of Victory. So since we're going to talk about one crown, uh, I want to unfold what do we mean by crowns. And I'm still somewhat trying to figure it out, but I also know that the scripture is going to speak life to us Today, So let's start in Revelation chapter 4, starting with verse 9. We get a glimpse of heaven and our future there. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne. This is Revelation chapter 4, verse 9. Let me just give you a quick second here. Revelation chapter 4, verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne... The one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, fall before the one seated on the throne. 
They worship the one who lives forever and always. They throw down their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power because you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what are crowns? Well, we're going to look at scripture, but we have some speculation on what crowns could be. And the best way often besides scripture to try to understand the heavenly is to uh, think about the good things of earth because we know that earth and heaven are not as far away as we think. And so I think it's okay to imagine um, in heaven the things that are within scripture and the desires that we have uh, that are pure before the Lord will live on into heaven. So I've been thinking about what is a crown? Well, I want to tell you a story that happened right here at this church. It was just a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago. Uh, One of my best friends in the world, Brent Batson, I was at his church last week speaking. He was passing through town and uh, he was here on a Wednesday night and I was walking around with Brent and I was introducing him to different people. I was showing him our amazing Awana. If you've never been here on a Wednesday night between our amazing youth ministry and Awana, this place is just full of life with kids and mentors and families. It's just a great place to be. So I started introducing Brent uh, to different people that I cared about. I introduced him to Holly and said, wow, Holly has five children. Her and her husband have been here for years and she works every night. Oh, they have four children. I'm not being prophetic. I'm sorry. (laughs) Man, I almost texted Robert, you have four or five kids, but that didn't sound like a good thing to do. I, I, I mean, I've only known these guys like 12 years now. So anyway, fail on that. Well, Holly has four kids and they're all here and she volunteers every week. She does an amazing job. We went further into the church. Dan, Dan, he uh, works at Vanderbilt and uh, he has a great, great leadership at Vanderbilt, but he's here working with two or three-year-old kids, two and three-year-old age kids. And we went and talked to Jason. I said, Jason, I've known him for for a long time, he's been at this church 15 years. He does security, he mows the yard, and on and on and on, person after person after person. I, I just bragged on you guys, and I bragged on this church. And when the night kind of faded out and we were talking about the night, Brent told me something. He said, Aaron, do you know what you did tonight? He said, you showed me your treasure. You showed me your treasure. It's like you opened up a treasure chest and showed me your treasure. And that is biblical because people are the highest, highest valued um, connection that we have. And so when I think about standing before the throne of God someday and having the ability to throw my crowns, I don't know if it's gonna be the single crown as much as it's going to be like, God, here's all that we did together. Here's all we did back in Irving in the church I grew up in. This is all that we did in Madison. This is all that we did in Frisco. This is all we did in Hendersonville and Gallatin. God, we, we, we did something together and we did something for you. And so here it is, God, here's our crown. And I think about that, your life, the things that are of value, the people you invest in, the people you connect with, 
the people that you mentor, the people you receive from, we say, God, they are yours. So why does God give us a crown? What those crowns are, yeah, I'm suggesting they're people, but now we'll look even further into the scripture to see. Why will God give crowns? Here's a first, first, I believe, observation is God is a rewarder. Number one, God is a rewarder. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says it this way. Now without faith, it's impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists. Now look at this. And that he rewards those who seek him. God is a rewarder. And so he's bringing blessing to our life and he's rewarding us with relationships and things beyond relationships, things connected with relationships. He is rewarding us. God is a rewarder. And when you begin to understand that, then you know that God's not taking from your life. God is not uh, prohibiting things in your life. God is giving to you. He's giving you opportunities. He's giving you relationships. He's, he's giving you um, direction. He is a rewarder. God created us naturally to be shaped by reward. We know this as in child development, as we raise children. We know this even from working, uh, working with animals, but that reward is something that, that drives behavior. Behavior is motivated by outcome. Simply put, we do things to get results. We do. Even David, when he heard about Goliath, he asked a real important question. You can find this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. David spoke to the men who were standing with him, and this is what he said. He asked this, what will be done for the man who kills that Philistine? and removes this disgrace from Israel. I mean, David, sure, he wanted to be valiant for his country, but he also said, hey, what's in it for me? <laughs> what am I gonna get? And I think that speaks to our natural inclination to want to know what the reward is. I want this series to remind you that in the spiritual realm, God has designed us to want a reward with him. When I talked about, when I taught on 1 Corinthians 15, Paul even said, hey, if, if it's just for this life that we believe the resurrection, we're to be pitied. There's a reward ahead of us. There's a crown ahead of us. God is a rewarder and he's gonna give us crowns. He's gonna give us different crowns and we'll look at five different crowns through this short series. Why? Well, because I already said he's a rewarder, but here's a second observation. Why God gives crowns? Crowns bless the world. They bless the world. As we discover even more what crowns are, you'll see from this series that crowns are rewards come through obedience and reliance on God. Walking in the ways of the Lord brings light to darkness, truth to deception, holiness to depravity, emptiness to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The world is better because God gives crowns. The world is better because God rewards. The world is better because the crowns that you earn by the Lord, this is not salvation-based, 
just, just to make that very clear. This is not about getting into heaven. These, these are rewards in heaven. When you're walking in dependence with the Lord to receive the crowns that we will discuss, then the world that you live in today is better and greater. When your life is blessed by the Lord, excuse me, when your life is blessed by the Lord, the world is blessed by the Lord. Three, crowns worship Jesus. Crowns worship Jesus. Revelation chapter four, we've already read it, but I want to get, I want to reread and reemphasize a part here. They throw down their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power because you created all things. It is by your will they existed and were created. So this is what happens when God rewards you. He rewards and blesses you because it's a form of worship to him. So when God begins to bless your life, bless your finances, bless your career, bless your family, bless your children. This is worship back to the Lord because we consecrate everything to him. Our jobs, our careers, our possessions, uh, the success of our kids, the success of our grandkids, the growth of the church, the small group, the depth of community in the small group. These are rewards, but these rewards we throw at the feet of Jesus and we give him honor and glory for this. It's a blessing to throw our crowns to him, to give him everything, to put everything at his feet. So I gave you three reasons, in case you didn't catch that third one, crown worships Jesus. But here's a principle that I want you to realize. You know this is true, you've seen it in your life, but I want to remind you about it this morning. Satan wants to steal your crowns. Satan wants to steal your crowns. Again, this is beyond salvation. I'm talking about your effectiveness, your potential, your impact on the world. Satan wants to steal your crowns. John chapter 10, verse 10 says it this way. The thief enters only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said this, I've come so that they may have life and have it more abundant, have it in more abundance. This is the contrast between the gospel of Jesus Christ and the plan of Satan and the enemy. I started thinking about all the stuff that, uh, that has been stolen from me in my life. And it just, thieves uh, are very maddening. Thieves are maddening. And I had a few stories I was going to tell you, but this is where I feel the Spirit's speaking right now. Some of you are thieves and you need to stop. You have justified the sin of stealing. Stop in Jesus' name. And the Lord's saying, repent today. It is not acceptable to be a thief. Some of us have, have labeled this white-collar crime. It's not acceptable to the Lord. Some of us are judging other sin, and we're not judging the fact that we are operating as a thief. And the Lord says, stop that. No more stealing. Because when you steal, you are walking in step with Satan himself. You're walking with the enemy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In the spiritual dynamic, Satan wants to steal your reward 
from the Lord. So what are the crowns? We'll just talk about one today. Here's the only crown we're gonna talk about. Crown number one, I'm calling the crown of victory. The crown of victory. And if you want another word, this won't be on the screen, but you, you may wanna write it down if you're taking notes. We're gonna call this effort. The crown of victory is for those who put much effort into their walk with Jesus. They take very seriously the work of the kingdom. They take their faith very seriously. They're not among those who are like, keep me, keep me out of hell and get me into heaven and then let me live selfishly. That person may make it into heaven, but in my opinion, in my estimation of scripture, they won't get the crown of victory because they were, they were sloth in their walk with the Lord. They, they, they were lazy. They weren't diligent. They didn't take things seriously. They loved their football team more than they loved the Lord. They loved their favorite musician more than they loved the Lord. They loved their disposable time more than they loved the Lord. And the Lord is gracious. Hey, I'm not one of those preachers who say, you're gonna go to hell, you know, trying to convince everyone to go to hell. I'm trying to convince everyone about the grace of God. But I do believe this is that there is an effort in the kingdom of God that will be rewarded. The crown of victory. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, which is really my main text for today. Everything else has been setting it up, this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 24. Don't you know that runners in the stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. That's the heart of this crown. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we, and here's the key, this is the crown. Here's crown number one, an imperishable crown. Let's just stay there for a second. So different versions interpret this different. So there's not necessarily one name in heaven, but I'm giving this the name of the crown of victory because it's a crown for people who put great effort in their walk with the Lord. Verse 20, 26, so I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body. I bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So I wanna break down this scripture in the last few minutes we have together because I see some stuff that's gonna really help us. And I think it's gonna really call us to live a life of great effort for the kingdom of God, like really prioritizing the kingdom, kingdom of God. And can I just tell you, first of all, it's really fun to do that. First of all, in case you think that your life's not gonna be fun or fulfilling or exciting, you seek first the kingdom of God and every desire you have, the Lord, the Lord will give you the right desires. Your needs will be met. I'm gonna tell you this, is that seeking the Lord first gives you great friends, great opportunities. It's going to take you to other parts of the world. Some of you want to be globalists and you want to travel the world, but you're not seeking God first. And if you would have been seeking God, you would have already been traveling around the world. But there, there is, a, there is a, um, a noose on your finances. There's a noose on your career. I don't know why I use that word, but there, there's a restriction there. There's a restriction on everything because you're not seeking the kingdom first. You're not putting God first. And so you're not getting that crown of victory for those who put him first. Some of you are planning to put God first in 10 years, in 15 years, in 20 years, when you retire. 
But the Lord is calling you to put God first now because it's the best way to live. It's a great, great way to live. And so, yes, I'm putting before you my first point today under crown one. I've got all kinds of points on it today. It's this, incentive, incentive. Verse 24 says, don't you know that runners in the stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. Now, the point is here is not competition among Christians. So the the point of the scripture is not like only one of you are gonna get this crown. The point is the rest of that verse, verse 24, run in such a way to win the prize. Run in such a way to win the prize. And all of us, all of us watching online, all of us in this room, God's calling all of us to run for the crown of victory, to run with great effort, to run with great fortitude, to run with great focus. And it's really cool about the Olympics. And you probably knew this and you learned this sometime when you were in school. But the Olympics, about the time this was written, had existed for 700 years. And it would exist for another 300 years. So every four years on the Olympic plain, there was a competition. Uh, For a thousand years, approximately 700 B.C. to 300 A.D. And that's one of the the great connecting points that we have to ancient humanity is these, these games. And the, the most popular game was foot race. And there would be a lot of money and a lot of fame if someone won the foot race. And then there would be a crown. It might be a crown of leaves that you've seen before, or gold leaves before. And this crown um, brought much fame and financial advantages. And so... The people who first heard this in Greece, in the city of Corinth, it wasn't very far at all from the Olympic plain. It wasn't very far from Athens. They, they had seen these victors. They had seen these crowns. And Paul is saying, hey, here's a metaphor I want to use from the Olympic Games. You run. You run to win. You've all, all been into a stadium, and you know that there is a different type of intensity for those who are competing. We should all run as winners. Salvation is not, not stated here. What it's talking about is this. It's talking about how much do we pursue the good things of God after we're saved. I wanna ask you this question this morning. How is your pace in the Christian life? What is the speed you're moving towards Christ, towards Christ's likeness? Is there an urgency in you to move towards holiness, sanctification, transformation? Well, I'll answer the question for myself. Sometimes, sometimes, and sometimes not. Okay? But but this teaching is convicting me. I want to have an urgency to move towards Christ's likeness, to be more like Jesus to pursue holiness, sanctification, transformation, because the goal of our life is transformation to be more like Jesus. Here's number two, direction, direction. Look at verse 26 again. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly. I don't run like one who runs aimlessly. I asked you what your speed and your pace is, but it doesn't matter what your speed and pace is if you don't have the correct direction. 
And the right direction starts with repentance. We're people of repentance and we keep turning away from sin and turning to God. And that's our direction. Here's the next word I want to emphasize, purpose. Look at the second part of verse 26. I don't box like one beating the air. So you have that word picture, right? It's like a lot of times we see, uh, speaking of sports, we, we see these players act like they're going to fight, but they're not, they don't really want to punch, right? They, they want to be held back. They want to look like they're angry, but they want their teammates to hold them back. And then they swing and kind of miss a lot of times, swing. Hey, this is, Paul is talking about boxing and he's saying, listen, I don't swing for the air. I'm swinging to connect. I heard a preacher one time say, I don't have much time today, so I'm going for the nose. I'm going to punch you people in the nose preaching. We want to connect. And he's saying, this is this idea of purpose. Every movement, movement of the spiritual life, God wants to put purpose in that. We don't want to waste time. We, we want our efforts to connect for discipline. Verse 27, so instead of running aimlessly, instead of boxing to the air, verse 27 said, instead I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I heard about a wrestler one time who asked his coach, can't I smoke and drink and have a good time and still wrestle? And the coach replied, yes, you can, but you can't win. This idea of Paul is calling us to spiritual discipline, and there's so much joy in spiritual discipline. And I've got to say, if you're sitting in this room today, and even if you're watching online, is like you're doing that, guys. Going, gathering with God's people is a discipline. And so thanks for doing that. And so I encourage you in what you're already doing. So Paul, again, he, he says, like, I don't want, I want to be disciplined because I don't want to preach the gospel and then disqualify myself. Eliminate him from ministry, not necessarily keep him out of heaven because again, no work can save us and so no work can unsave us. I know that's a complicated subject, but I want to be clear today in my understanding of scripture. So in this pursuit of the crown of life, I don't want to be disqualified because of sin. I don't want to be disqualified because I've done well and then I don't rely on the Lord anymore. I rely on my own abilities. The crown of victory, the imperishable crown will be awarded to all those who have been faithful in their effort, effort towards God. So let me close with this. What's the gospel application to all of this? Crowns are only for believers. Crowns are not for unbelievers. Crowns are only for the redeemed. Crowns are only for the saved. Crowns are only for those who have received the gift of salvation. Only those who know the Lord. Jesus is the one, the only one who's qualified to forgive your sins and the sins of the whole world. Why? Because Jesus lived a sinless life as God. He took the sins of the world upon himself and he was executed on the cross and his resurrection conquered sin, death, and the grave itself.
I want to invite Pastor Jacob to join us, to join me, and he's going to lead us to the table of the Lord. That picture of us casting our crowns unto the Lord. In that moment, that, that word picture, as I'm hearing this word be preached, I had a moment where I imagined myself as a kid again and hearing that hymn, crown him with many crowns. This Jesus is worthy. Let me tell you, he didn't come to receive kingship, to receive a crown. He already was king. Yet he took off his crown to put on another one. To put on a crown of thorns for you and for me. His throne was a cross. And three days later, it proved that it was true that his kingship could go through death and life would be on the other side. There's a story that there were these disciples who were walking in a certain direction and Jesus came alongside them. They didn't know who Jesus was, but it wasn't until they got into their home they started to eat bread with Jesus. And it was at communion, church, that King Jesus was revealed to them. And I wonder what kind of walk they had after that. That maybe that walk turned into a race, into a direction with a purpose, because King Jesus was in their midst. So yes, because we take the sacrament of communion, there is evidence that there is a church in this house today. I wanna encourage uh, our communion servers to go ahead and make their place, our prayer partners to go ahead and take their place. But please hear me this morning that as you come to the table and as the bread is broken, that very same King Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will be revealed to you. Because as I read my Bible, it's true. There's something powerful that happens when we come to the table. Will you stand with me as we pray this prayer of communion together? Look at these words. See these words. This is what we believe, CIL Church. Will you pray with me? Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me in all of the world. Would you come to the table?
with our hearts restored He has done great things We will say together We will face and weep no We will not be burned by the
praying, keep praying. I don't want you to stop, but as I move towards benediction, I want to speak something over you. I don't want a moment to pass. You know, we went to the table of the Lord, and the Lord did a great work, but I don't want a moment to pass. The Holy Spirit was convicting many of you about your effort to pursue Christ. I wasn't here to cause you to question your relationship with Christ. I didn't present the Word of God so that you would doubt Christ and His salvation. But the word of the Lord to us today is to give more attention to the things he has called us to. More focus, more direction, more intensity. And there is joy in that journey. And I I want you to receive that. I want you to hear that and watch while the path before you of pursuing the Lord, it's a path of surprises, it's a path of joy, It's a path of deep relationships. And the Lord has things you can't even imagine. I mean, the Lord can see so far ahead. Some of you can't see through the end of this week, through the end of this year, but the Lord is looking 5, 10, 20, 40 years down the line. He sees kingdom connections. He sees places you're going to go to. He sees people you're going to meet. And he's right here. He is saying, I've got the victor's crown. I've got a crown for you because of your effort. I've got a crown for you because of your focus. I have a crown for you because of your direction. Sure, we're going to take that crown and we're going to throw it at the feet of Jesus. We're going to take that crown and we're going to worship Jesus with it. But I want something to give Jesus. I don't want to stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, I followed you with 50% intensity. Jesus, I followed you occasionally. Jesus, I followed you in eighth grade and when I was 25 and I followed you uh, when I retired. I want to be able to say, Jesus, when I heard the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I was all in with my focus, with my effort, pursuing you in every phase of my life. You can't do anything about the past, but you can do what's before you today. The Spirit said this, said, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. May you hear and not just be a hearer of the word, but that you would be a doer of the word. You can do it. I believe in you guys. I believe in you guys because I believe in the God who has called you. I want to speak this benediction over you as we go our way. When you receive this from the Lord. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. I love you. Jesus loves you. You're going to have a great week in him. God bless you.